Welcome to another Co-op Conversations podcast episode. Each episode features one or a few guests that are currently living in a housing cooperative. In one episode, we talk to a group of teenagers from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And in another, we talk to a dad who lives in a housing co-op in Zurich, Switzerland. Through these conversations, you'll learn more about growing up or raising children in a housing cooperative or about life in a housing co-op for people who are retired. In one episode, we take a slightly different approach and we talk to Brenda Torpy from Burlington, Vermont, who is a longtime champion of the community land trust model, a model that some housing co-ops also use. Who is Cooperative Housing International, or CHI as we are commonly called? We are one of the sectoral organizations of the International Cooperative Alliance, which is the global apex body representing all cooperatives. CHI raises awareness about cooperative housing by promoting its successes on a global level. We also facilitate networking opportunities via knowledge sharing events like panel discussions and symposiums. Furthermore, we highlight good practices from around the globe and discuss key issues and ensure that cooperative housing remains an innovative and flexible housing model that is adaptable to local housing needs. What is a housing cooperative? In a nutshell, a housing co-op is a jointly owned, democratically controlled enterprise. Co-ops are not owned by the government and they're not charities. They are independently owned nonprofit organizations that are governed by their members. Many housing co-ops try to keep rent affordable and some offer subsidies for lower income members. Every co-op housing community is different. Some are large apartment complexes, Others are townhouses and others are single family houses. Some are rental, others are owner occupied and different co-op models are available depending on the country. But they all have one thing in common. They're focused on community and are designed to meet the common economic, social and cultural needs of their members. If you want to learn more about housing cooperatives, you can head to our website at housinginternational.coop. So now that you've learned what a housing co-op is, I would like to introduce my first guest, who is Sarah Jensen, a student in pre-law at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. And for those who don't know where that is, it's a small city located on the North Shore of Lake Superior, the largest freshwater lake on the planet by surface area and the third by volume. So welcome, Sarah, and thank you for joining us and being our first podcast guest. Thank you so much, Julie. I'm so excited to be here today and to talk to you about my experience growing up in a housing co-op. So tell us about your co-op and what age you were when you moved in. So just to, you know, kind of set up the context of how it all started. So I was seven years old when I moved in. Um, My parents had just separated and my mom was transitioning from being a stay-at-home mom for the first seven years of my life to being a single mother in the workplace. And she was looking for a place for me to grow up where I would have a deep sense of community and she would be able to teach me the values of giving back to my community while also feeling very supported by my community. Um, It was a very, obviously a very turbulent time in in my family's life and having that support system of a strong co-op community really made me into the person that I am and certainly helped my mom transition into the person that she was able to become. 
And so now you're still living in a housing co-op, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I've moved into my own unit in the same housing co-op. I was originally just about three doors down from my mom's house, um, subletting from a neighbor. And then in this past year, I've moved into my own apartment with my partner just around the block from her. So it's really, really nice to be so close to her still and to be in the wonderful community that I've got such strong ties to. And so because you, you, you're fairly young when you, you moved in, do you have any recollection of like the difference between, you know, what it was like living in the pre, you know, in your, in your previous home compared to life in, in the housing co-op? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood with like no other children in it at first. And then we had moved to a place in the countryside, which was my dad's house, which I, I still spent quite a bit of time growing up there. But it was a wonderful mix growing up, having the opportunity to live in Castle Green with my mom of this deep sense of community, having lots of neighbors, having lots of other kids to play with who were my own age for the first time in my life after school. And, you know, being able to go to my dad's house, which was far out in the country and isolated. And I think that if I hadn't had that opportunity to grow up in Castle Green, where we had so many neighbors so close by, and we had that deep sense of community, and we had all those other little kids to, for me to play with, that I wouldn't have had that deep sense of community. And I wouldn't have grown up to find it very important to find that deep sense of community and where I live today. So how did you first start getting involved in, in the co-op? Tell us about uh, how you joined your first committee. <laughs> okay, so um, I actually started first getting involved in my co-op right from the time we moved in when I was seven years old. My mom thought it was so important for me to come to volunteer events. And because Castle Green had a lot of young children at the time, it was very common for parents to be bringing their kids to volunteer events. And so, you know, we were met with a community that was very much interested in giving kids opportunities to, you know, volunteer at age appropriate levels. And so I was the door greeter or I was the person who handed out napkins for, you know, a barbecue hot dog roast. Or I was the one who went and, you know, swept somebody's stairs in the community for an elderly member or carried in groceries. And it was super important to my mom and also super important for our whole community that kids are raised that way. And I see that still being instilled in the children that live here today, that they grow up with that sense of community and that sense of giving back. And just that opportunity to feel like they're involved and valued members of, of the community. So it, it really started right from as soon as, as soon as I was living here, that I was doing everything I could to volunteer and give back. But my first involvement in an actual committee was actually when I was 14. So I just finished a summer job placement that um, I actually found through Castle Green and had a huge amount of support from my neighbors and the board to get. And that was at an urban farm here in Thunder Bay. And after returning from that program, the volunteer services coordinator here in Castle Green approached me and said, hey, we have a community garden plot that hasn't had anything done with it in a few years. If you want, Sarah, why don't you see if you can get some volunteers and we can create something like that here. And so I got a list of phone numbers of different neighbors and started knocking on doors and putting up flyers. And before I knew it, I had a very small but very passionate community of members running a community garden 
and they elected me to wear the hat of a community garden coordinator at 14, which at the time I remember thinking like, oh, I'm a big kid now. Like I'm an adult. I obviously I'm very competent and can do this. And I, I had no doubt in my ability because I had such a strong support system of, of adults that believed in me so much. And now I meet 14 year olds and think, oh my gosh, I don't know <laughs> what they were thinking, but I'm so glad they were thinking it. And I do try and pass on that, that idea of, of giving kids who you think, you know, might not be quite ready for the role, the chance to challenge themselves by coming into that role in my work with co-ops and my work with youth now, because I think that's so important. And it really, it really was so formative for me to have those people in my life who believed in me and who let me take on a leadership role from that young age. Eventually that committee amalgamated with the landscaping committee here in Castle Green, and I still chair that committee today. And it's just been a phenomenal experience getting to do that. I really am very passionate about the environment and the outdoors and being able to create a community garden that gives back to our community and do other initiatives like planting, you know, pollinator and native plant and rain gardens around the community and educating people on the importance of sustainable agriculture and native plant gardening has been very important and very close to my heart and I think has really helped improve our community in terms of, of knowledge of environmental issues and also just being you know connected to nature in our area and in our community. So who would you say was um, you know like the most influential person in in your co-op you know that that was you know, maybe a, a mentor or, you know, that, that, uh, that guided you the most, you know, as uh, a 14 year old leader of a, of a committee. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many people who, who were just absolutely my cheerleaders. I think first and foremost, it's gotta be my parents. My mom, again, was very adamant that I'd be involved in my community and that I feel like I had a place in my community and that I should give back to my community from the time I was young. And it was her, you know, work in Castle Green on different committees that really inspired me to be involved in that way and made me want to, you know, work for a committee and run for the board. Um, and my dad too, he's very involved in the, the outside community, even though he doesn't live in a co-op himself. And he was always like, you know, yes, Sarah, go for it, be a committee member, be a leader as much as you can. So both of my parents were my cheerleaders from day one. I was very lucky in that. I think particularly like my first landscaping committee members, they were the ones who drove me for my interview for my first job that gave me the skills to be able to run a community garden. They were the first ones to show up to my um, community garden meetings and encourage me to become that community garden coordinator at the age of 14. And, you know, they still come to every single meeting, those, those first two members that I had. And that has meant so much to me over the years that, you know, I had neighbors who believed in me that strongly. And certainly there's been, you know, dozens of more members of Castle Green that have been added to that list over the years. Um, I think Castle Green's volunteer services coordinator who phoned me up and said, hey, do you want to try running a committee? Do you want to try revamping this? I know you like gardening. And her work with youth in the community has been, you know, just instrumental in, in getting youth involved and encouraging them to become active members of their community and make the changes that they want to see in our neighborhood. And that was just, you know, instrumental. And uh, 
certainly our, our general manager as well in Castle Green has been a fantastic mentor to me over the years. She, um, you know, when I began breaking out and becoming more involved provincially and nationally, she was the one who made a lot of the introductions for me at big events and, you know, was the one who welcomed me off my first solo plane ride at 18 years old to my first big conference at a CHF Canada event and, you know, her support and her belief and her encouragement of me um, over the years, as well as just the knowledge that she's shared being <laughs> the manager of Castle Green has been instrumental in, in my development as well. And I think I'd also be remiss without mentioning my manager at the OCA CYL program, which I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more later. Yeah. So the CYL program is the uh, co-op young leaders program, right? Yeah. Um, a program run here in Ontario. So did you find out about the CYL camp through, through your co-op? And so what kind of activities did you do there? What did you learn? And are you still involved with them? Yeah, yeah. So CYL is Cooperative Young Leaders. It's a summer camp for youth ages 14 to 18. And our board here in Castle Green had been looking for someone to send to the CYL program for a number of years. And hadn't seen a lot of interest in it, unfortunately, because, I mean, it's quite, it's quite the thing to send your child, you know, to Toronto, a thousand kilometers away from Thunder Bay for a week uh, when they're, you know, 14. So I was 18 the first time that I attended. I had just been elected to the board of directors. I had just um, attended my very first board meeting. And then I got on a plane to go be a participant in this cooperative education program. And that week absolutely changed my life. I was a very shy and awkward and just, you know, nervous kid around other people, especially kids my own age. And I thought that my deep sense of community in Castle Green was because I had grown up with those people, that my connection to my friends and my connection to my neighbors was, you know, just by virtue of having been around them for so long. And I don't think I really understood the idea of the cooperative principles and how they go into how we live our lives until I attended that CYL program. Because in the course of the week that I was there, I made friends with people who I'm still friends with to this day, who, you know, I just had this super deep sense of community and connection with in, in seven days. And so that to me really spoke to the fact that the Cooperative Young Leaders Program really instills cooperative values in the youth that go through their program and just absolutely changes their lives. I became so much more confident in just one week and so much more inspired to be a part of the cooperative model in the world in any way that I could. And so I knew that I had to come back to the program. And in 2017, I did my first week as a facilitator. It was phenomenally life-changing to be in a completely different role um, with the program and to watch other young people go through the same experience that I had where they went at the beginning of the week and they were very uncertain and didn't really know what to expect. And by the end of the week, you know, they were hugging everyone and had made friends for life and were just inspired to be involved in the co-op movement because of the deep sense of connection and community that it can give. And then I also began working with the Northwestern Ontario Regional Manager of the Ontario Cooperative Association. And we began going into high schools around Thunder Bay and talking about the CYL program and trying to encourage more youth to go down to it. And also just talking to them about the co-op model and inspiring them to be involved in co-op work. 
and seeing co-op work as a means to change the world in a way that I think a lot of young people are drawn to do, but maybe don't have the tools to do it with. And I returned again in 2018 as a facilitator. Um, I did two weeks in a row, which was as long as I was allowed to stay for the program because it's, it's a very involved program being a 24-hour summer camp for a week. And after two weeks, I was exhausted, but absolutely in the best way possible. It was just a phenomenal experience getting to watch kids transition through the program and learn about co-ops and become stronger and more competent leaders who build their worldview around cooperation instead of competition and around teamwork and building each other up was just like absolutely, again, life-changing. In 2019, I was invited to work on the CYL curriculum and then successfully got the position as the youth engagement coordinator for the program. So I stayed for the full six weeks at the summer camp, helping to facilitate and supervise the program, which was, again, just absolutely life-changing, really challenged my own leadership skills and really inspired me just to, you know, get more into co-op work, get more into co-op education and work more with youth. And in 2020, I was once again, the youth engagement coordinator. However, obviously things were much different this past year with the pandemic. So we did everything virtually, which was both a challenge and a blessing. Like technology is phenomenal, as I'm sure you know, Julie, <laughs> but can be challenging at times. But it was, it was so cool to see the program transition to an online format where we could build community, you know, across space and time and see these youth, you know, light up when they saw their their friends from last year and making new friends in a virtual program. It was really interesting to see. So the youth that are in the program don't necessarily have to be living in a, in a housing co-op. It's open to, to anyone. So um, yeah, it's open to any youth. We try to look for sponsors from cooperatives. So not necessarily just a housing co-op. It can be anyone who has a connection to a co-op or even if you don't have a connection to a co-op, the program is designed to kind of connect them to cooperatives. So for example, you know, if somebody has a parent who works at a credit union, they could attend the program and have that credit union sponsor them. If they're like me and they grew up in a housing co-op, that housing co-op could sponsor them to attend. If they are a child who's, you know, heard about the CYL program through their school but has no connection to the co-op system, the program is designed to provide that connection for them by, you know, getting them a sponsor in the co-op system and helping educate them about how they can become involved in that co-op or in other co-ops in their region. And so it's basically just meant to to connect youth in any way that we can to co-ops that they might already have a connection to or to co-ops that they don't yet have a connection to but that we can provide that connection for them. So you can go on to the Ontario Cooperative Association's website. It's ontario.coop and uh, look up the Cooperative Young Leaders Program. There's tons of information on that website. Um, You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook both at Cooperative Young Leaders. That's the tag. If you have children between the ages of 14 and 18, or if you are a kid between 14 and 18, and you want to know more about the co-op sector, and you want to build, you know, lasting relationships with other youth your age, that you should absolutely check it out. It's completely life-changing in so, so many ways. And I guarantee that whatever you're expecting, your expectations will be blown out of the water. It'll be so much better than you can imagine. 
and also if you're interested if you are involved in the co-op sector here in Ontario if you're interested in being a facilitator we're always looking for more people to get involved with the program that way and yeah definitely check us out so let's um, change tax a little bit and but still, you know, keeping in, in the, the co-op realm. I wanted to just touch on the, the cooperative principles and values. Uh, so how, like, how and when did you learn about the, the cooperative principles and values and, and how have they guided you in, you know, in, your, in your volunteer work and, and in, in your work in, in, the, in the co-op sector? Um, I think that I I really learned the co-op values before. I actually consciously learned the co-op values. I remember being like quite young and I was sitting in one of my mom's committee meetings. She was running at the time membership information sessions, which are for new members to Castle Green to learn more about the co-op model and to learn more about what it means to live in a cooperative. And she handed out the sheet that had the seven co-op principles on it. And I remember reading them and just kind of being like, yeah, doesn't everybody know this stuff? Um, <laughs> obviously, we live our lives by, you know, spreading education and being based in community and having strong democratic ideals. Like, duh. Um, and it wasn't really until after attending the CYL program that I really understood them as like, these are foundational ideology of the cooperative movement. And they're not just like a philosophy that I grew up and shaped me. <laughs> and uh, so after working with CYL and working in the cooperative education that I did in high schools around Thunder Bay, I really became solid in them. And I, you know, I have them tacked up on my wall right in front of my desk, just so I can look at them every single day and read them. And I try to instill, you know, the, the seven cooperative principles, not just in my work in the co-op sector, but in my work in every area of my life, because I think that they're just fundamental to being human in a lot of ways and to creating that connection and to creating that sense of community that I find so integral to the co-op model and it's something that I want to embody you know in my in my work in my university and in my connection with my friends and my connection with my family and my work with uh, you know environmental work they're just so integral and so important to me and how I see the world and how I'd like to hopefully shape the world for better. So you're a student at Lakehead University. What, what are you studying? So I'm studying political science, pre-law and international relations at Lakehead. I originally was going to go into school to become a biologist because biology and the natural world have just always been very deep loves of mine. However, I went to pick my courses and I was actually sitting at a cooperative young leaders event and I just looked at all of the work that I'd done in my, my teen years, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing for a career. That like That's my dream job, is to work in the co-op sector, is to do work that's going to, you know, hopefully make life better for people, build stronger communities, build a deeper sense of connection between individuals, and have everyone cooperating is, is kind of my dream. And if I could go to school to do something that was going to hopefully 
put me into that field and strengthen my ability to do my co-op work, then of course that was what I should be doing. And so I ended up changing my application and applying to the pre-law program. And I've loved every second of it. I still do some biology classes on the tide and do a lot of work with the environment. And I'm very outdoorsy and enjoy that part of my life still. And I incorporate my co-op work into it as much as I can. And how does living in a housing co-op facilitate you, you know, being a student, pursuing your studies, for example? Yeah. So I think for sure, like housing co-ops are very focused on housing affordability. And I've done a lot of work with organizations like the Cooperative Housing Federation of Canada with work around housing first rights and housing as a human right and making affordable housing accessible to all. And even though Castle Green isn't a student specific co-op, I think that, you know, it really speaks to the ability for housing affordability to provide for anyone from any walk of life. And especially as a student, it is very relevant to me. Castle Green, because we are based in affordable housing, we have a rent that's already only 60% of housing market rent. Um, I certainly don't think that at, you know, 21 years old, I would have been able to move out on my own and afford a place to live by myself if I wasn't living in Castle Green. And certainly that takes a huge stress off in terms of, you know, not having to worry about that in addition to student loans and all the other expenses that come with being a student. And it's, it's just so important that we have housing affordability for students, for seniors, for single parents, and for young families. And I think that, you know, I'm living evidence of that for sure. And I think that there's also something to be said for the sense of supportive community that takes the stress off as a student, knowing that, you know, if I run out of something in my pantry, or if I'm having internet connectivity issues, or you know, I just can't get out and shovel the snow today because I'm so swamped with homework. And I can just call one of my neighbors up and say, hey, can you help me out with this today? And that they'll have my back is is just so important to, you know, maintaining a sense of balance and making sure that I'm not overly stressed. (laughs) And I think it's important to many people in our community, like there's many elderly people, there's many families that are struggling, particularly during the pandemic, and having that that sense of support that comes from a community like a housing cooperative is just something I, I, I'm almost speechless just talking about it. Like it's, it's something that is so, so integrally important to me. So how do you balance all, all that you do? Like you're, you're on, you're, you're on the board of Castle Green. You, you're the youth engagement coordinator for the Co-op Young Leaders program. Uh, You're on, you're the, you're still leading the, the landscaping committee and, you know, sort of like all of the volunteer work and you're a student. How, how do you balance all of that? Um, I think, again, it comes back to that support system. It's so important, especially in this day and age. And I think, again, the pandemic has really highlighted that to have that, that super um, strong support system. I wouldn't be able to do all that I do without it. And I think every area of my life, I have people who, you know, are in my corner who are able to help me manage things and who, you know, are other dedicated volunteers who, you know, work just as hard as I do, even if I, you know, wear the the hat of the chair of the landscaping committee. 
And those people are so important in, in making things work. The other thing that I make sure that I do is that I think, and I think, again, this is becoming more of a important topic of conversation is, is just making sure that I have balance outside of, of my work activities. I love going outdoors. And I think that that's really important for me, for my mental health, for sure. And I, I take time to do that every single day. And also, I think that it really helps that I just love what I do. I love what I'm studying in school. I love all the volunteer initiatives that I'm a part of. I'm honored to be a part of all of the work that I'm able to do. And, you know, loving what you do is something that's such a privilege, especially in the society that you live in. And so I can't express my gratitude enough for the ability to have that and for the people who make that possible for me within these systems. The fact that co-ops are so based in people first is is just integral, I think, to that sense of community that we get. You know, when I when I go to work, when I do my volunteer work, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm a part of a community and that any, you know, sweat <laughs> or tears or anything else that comes through that process is all worth it because we're working together towards this this great goal in every little thing that we accomplish and that really keeps me going every single day um, knowing that what I'm doing is worthwhile and that it's making a difference for you know all of the families in Castle Green hopefully for co-op members across Ontario for youth across Ontario and for you know club housing members across Canada and maybe even internationally if I can, you know, put the effort in every day to to make that difference, then, um, you know, I can go to bed at night feeling so happy and so lucky to have been a part of it. And that's really what what keeps me going and, and what helps me balance everything. Well, when when you love doing what you do, it also gives you energy, you know, like you're putting energy into it, but it's giving you energy back. So that's probably what's fueling you as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're on the board of directors of, of your co-op. What made you decide to to run for, for the board? Um, so I knew that I was turning 18 <laughs> and had been approached by a few members just before my 18th birthday, which was about a month and a half before when our general elections are usually held, saying like, hey, maybe you should run, maybe you should run. And I was kind of, so it was in the back of my mind. But I hadn't really given it any serious thought. I thought, oh my God, I'm 18. Like no one will vote for me. They'll all think that I'm, you know, just a crazy 18 year old um, who doesn't know anything. Why would they vote for me? But you were 14 when you were when you were leading the gardening yeah. committee. So. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they kind of followed the same path. I think by 18, I was a little less. Oh, I'm an adult now, and more like I'm just a baby, which is you know backwards of the way that it's supposed to go, perhaps. But. Um, I learned a lot in those four years, I guess, about about myself. So, <laughs> but no. So I got this call from this lovely lady who was a longtime member of Castle Green. Very sadly, she's passed away now. But she called me up. She was on the nominating committee for our board, and we had like probably an hour long conversation. And she just absolutely encouraged me to to run for the board. She was like, "We want you to be on the board. We think it's so important that youth are involved." here's all the things that you've done for our community, like, you should run for the board. And I'm getting like choked up just talking about it. She like, I couldn't believe the support that I got that day. I was so 
honored to be asked. And so I thought, you know what, like for you, okay, I'll run for the board. And so I put my name forward for the nomination, submitted my bio and attended the sort of meet and greet event before the election and talked to a bunch of people. And I remember walking into the doors for that meet and greet and thinking like, well, this is going to be a fantastic learning opportunity, whether or not I, I get elected. Um, and I'm so honored that I've, I, you know, even been nominated for the board, <laughs> never mind whether or not I actually get the position. And I, I don't think I expected what ended up happening that I got elected. You know, like I I'd had a few phone calls from other members in Casa Green and I'd seen people on the streets and they've said like, oh, we're so excited that you're running for the board, but I hadn't really thought anything of it. But I had people, you know, talking to me that evening and asking me all these questions. And I and the fact that I had, you know, answers and, and ideas and was inspired to do things for, for Casa Green, oh. I think struck a chord. And I had people, you know, like, I, I still can't believe it. I'm still so just like humbled and honored that said, you know, I don't normally come out to elections, but I came out because I saw you were running and I wanted to come vote for you tonight. And it just, knowing that I had that support from my community and knowing that they believed in me and what I wanted to do and that they wanted to see more youth on the, the board was just incredible. It, it, was, it, was, it was another life-changing moment for me, absolutely. And so when they called my name as being elected that night and I went into my first board meeting, I definitely had tears in my eyes. I was, I was just overwhelmed with this deep sense of love for my community, of feeling, you know, just again, absolutely honored and humbled that they believed in me and this determination to give back and to, you know, in all of my work to help make our community stronger, to um, develop new initiatives to to help other young people get involved in our community and, you know, do everything I could to to live up to the position that I had been elected to. And certainly it's been a huge, wonderful learning experience for me over the last four and a half years since I've been on the board. And I hope that I have done justice to the position that I've been elected to. I hope that people feel that I have made a difference in our community. and. I'm just, again, so honored to continue in that role. Well, kudos to your co-op for recognizing your leadership abilities and, and you know, reaching out to you and, and suggesting, you know, suggesting you and, and nominating you. That's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a, you know, it's a challenge in, in housing co-ops to, to find people who are willing to run for the board uh, and let alone, you know, someone who's young. Uh, so well done, but that's not where it stops. You're also uh, on a, and you're on the provincial level of leader of the co-op housing leadership. You're on the um, State of Canada's Ontario Council, right? Yeah. So tell us a bit uh, more about that. All right. So I, I ran for that um, this past year, and and I was elected in 2020. Our general manager here in Castle Green was the previous Northern Ontario representative. And she, again, was absolutely instrumental in introducing me to the provincial and national stage for cooperative housing because she has been involved with CHF Canada for so long. And she's just somebody I absolutely look up to and, and is definitely on my mentor list of people that I just think are, are incredible and that I've learned so much from. So she reached her term limit this past year and I was approached by CHF Canada's nominating committee 
and asked if I would like to run for the Northern Ontario representative for Ontario Council. Um, and so, of course, the first person I asked if I should, you know, do you think this is a good idea was was our general manager. And she was like, absolutely. I'm so excited for you. If you have any questions or want any tips or anything, let me know, which was phenomenal to have that support. And then, of course, I asked my board if they would be comfortable with me running since I am still a board member and a member of Castle Green. And they were like, yep, go ahead. Um, and so having that support from my community, again, was just instrumental in me deciding to run. So I ran for, for council, and that was just an incredible learning experience, again, completely different than running for, you know, just a small community that I've grown up with where everyone knows me. But again, it was just an incredible experience of having, you know, members who of CHF Canada from across Canada, who I've made the acquaintance of at different CHF Canada events over the last four years, you know, sending me a message on Facebook and saying, I'm so happy you're running, good luck. And again, having that support of the community was just so humbling and honoring. And so I'm hoping that my work in the last year um, has has lived up to what, what they hoped for and that I've been able to make a difference in Northern Ontario for Ontario Council. And I, I'm looking forward to, we're, we're in a, the midst of a big transition period where um, Ontario Council is amalgamating with the board in 2021 and there's a big election coming up and I've, I've just put my name forward for nomination to the CHF Canada board that will be made up of 16 new board members. So I'm really excited for that opportunity as well to hopefully continue my work nationally here in Canada for the co-op housing movement and um, to continue to fight for housing as a human right and um, housing affordability so that, you know, there's more children out there that can grow up in housing co-ops the way I did and have those phenomenal opportunities so that, you know, more senior seniors can have that deep sense of community and support, so, you know, so that young families and single parents can you know, have, have a safe place for their children to grow up in that's affordable and, you know, provides these learning opportunities for them. That's, that's my vision. If every family in Canada, if every senior and every, every person was able to live in a housing co-op and feel that deep sense of community and support, that would be my ultimate dream. Um, and I try to work for it every single day. Absolutely. So tell us about the, the Cooperators Education Fund. Where, where can people get more info and, uh, and what, what's it all about? Yeah, so as you probably already know, Canada's Emerging Cooperators is a committee for youth ages 18 to 35. And we developed an education fund called the Emerging Cooperators Education Fund in order to help youth in that same age bracket, 18 to 35, who are either involved in the co-op sector or who are interested in getting more involved in the co-op sector or doing research in the co-op sector to be able to achieve those goals, essentially. So we currently are closed for applications, but we're looking to open another round soon. So follow us on social media. On Facebook, we're CEC Co-op. And on Instagram, we are Canada's Emerging Cooperators. So if you follow us on the, there and you check back onto our website frequently, we'll be putting up a application process again soon. So again, it's anyone between 18 and 35. It's a fantastic opportunity and you can get up to $1,500 towards an education experience. And this can be anything from, you know, attending a conference, attending a co-op management course to doing research for, you know, if you're a master's student 
or even if you're an undergraduate student or a PhD student and you're looking at doing research into the cooperative sector, this is a grant for you. We have seen some really interesting ideas come forward, people who are developing co-ops across Canada, and we just want to see more youth get involved in the co-op sector. We want to see them have that opportunity to do it because I'm sure there's lots of co-op youth out there that, you know, have maybe had lots of great ideas, but not had the funding to do it. And so we want to be able to provide that funding to you. So if you've got some innovative ideas, or even if you just have what you think is a regular idea, <laughs> if you if you want to become a stronger cooperator and help develop the cooperative system, then absolutely apply for the grant. We, we would love to have you. So you must be very inspiring to the youth living in your housing co-op. Are, are there emerging leaders uh, that, you know, that are, that are coming up behind you in, in your, in your housing co-op? I would like to hope so. I've seen other youth go down to the CYL program and as a result become more involved in our community. And, you know, I, I don't know how much I'm an inspiration to them, but they're an inspiration to me. You know, every, every kid that I've watched go through CYL, whether they're in my co-op or, or not, and every, you know, young member of my housing co-op is an inspiration to me. And I try to encourage them and help them see themselves as such, because I think it's so, it's so important for young leaders to know that they are young leaders. And I think any youth has the potential to be a young leader. They just have to see it within themselves. And so, yeah, like the youth that are, are in Castle Green that are doing work in the community inspire me every day, whether it's, you know, them developing before COVID, obviously, you know, like a, a little Halloween party for younger kids or a Christmas party or having a pancake breakfast to help fund their trip to CYL or, you know, saying, hey, I want to run an after school program where we talk about the cooperative principles with other kids in Castle Green. They inspire me every day. I think that you know, the youth are our future and especially like the younger end of youth who I think maybe sometimes get overlooked as like, oh, like the 14 year olds that are too young to run a community garden. I think, you know, like if I can find youth in Castle Green and youth across Ontario and give them the tools to be young leaders and to do what they think that the world needs and what their communities and what their neighborhoods needs, then at the end of the day, I'm happy. And I'm so, so inspired by the youth who do take the initiative to do those things. So what, what's your vision board saying to you? What, where, where do you see yourself uh, in a few years time? Oh gosh, I think that I have a lot of different options and could see my life going a lot of different ways. One thing I always say is I can't imagine my life without cooperatives and I'll always be involved in the sector in some way, shape or form. I'm hopeful that my undergraduate degree will propel me in a direction that will allow me to work, you know, for nonprofit organizations will help me, you know, have a basis in human rights advocacy. And, you know, just hopefully I will be able to continue to do work that will allow me to make the world a better place in whatever capacity I can. Certainly in terms of like how my degree would play into a co-op career, I'm hopeful that if I was to pursue a law degree, that I would use that law degree to advocate for human rights, like um, housing as a human right, for example, to advocate for cooperative businesses so that they you know, may function more strongly within our economic sector. And 
I think that that's the work that really inspires me. That's the work that I, I, I would, you know, I really hope to see myself doing um, and that I work towards every day to be able to do more and more. Certainly though, too, like I, I haven't ruled out, you know, doing a master's degree with St. Mary's and cooperative management um, or cooperative education um, because, you know, co-op education is something that I'm very passionate about and working with youth is, is so important to me. And I think that, you know, pursuing a degree in political science and international relations will only help me to build the skills and the knowledge that's needed for me to be able to work, you know, locally and provincially and nationally and hopefully even internationally um, in the co-op sector in the future. So do you see yourself living in a housing co-op like for forever for the for the rest of your life like can you can you imagine living like in any other form of of housing I I can't imagine not living in a in a form of housing that has such a deep sense of community and allows for such a deep community involvement and you know that is a monument to you know my ideals for affordable housing and housing as a human right and you know support systems for everyone in society but especially vulnerable members of society I can't imagine not living in a housing co-op because of those things I think that if I was ever to move out of Casa Green which um, you know if I if I begin to move into more national and international work with the co-op sector is, is probably likely that I would look for a housing co-op where I move and if I couldn't move into one would work to develop one in my neighborhood and certainly work to instill cooperative housing's ideals in my neighborhood because I think it's so important that we connect with other people I think if anything if the pandemic's taught us anything that there's a huge importance in human connection and the human creation of strong communities that support and uplift and have compassion for everyone in those communities and I think that you know those are those are ideals that are so deeply instilled in me that I can't imagine living without them I don't think I'd be able to live without them and so wherever I go and the rest of my life that deep sense of community support will go with me and I can't imagine not being involved in housing co-ops because of that well thank you so much Sarah, for being our first guest today in our, in our podcast series on growing up in, in a housing co-op. And I hope that people who are going to listen to our podcast will be inspired to, um, to follow in your footsteps. And you know, for those who aren't living in a housing co-op at the moment, will be inspired to do so. And for those who are, um, that they will be motivated to get get involved, um, not just at their co-op level, but um, at the you know the regional levels, at the national levels, uh, and at the international level. It's a it's a big movement, and uh, and we um, you know in order to continue growing and and thriving and and developing, we need the the young leaders that are going to be you know shaping the the movement in the future and and you know making it an even better model so you're you're a great inspiration and uh yeah very glad that uh, we had this conversation today and uh, got to learn more about your work and your volunteer work and um, i'm sure we'll be talking again we'll our paths will definitely cross and uh wishing you all the best in your studies and in all of your 
different uh, governance roles and volunteer roles. And yeah, thanks again. We will talk soon. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on, Julie. I really, really loved it today. I love getting to share my story. I don't think it's an incredibly unique story. I think that there's so many other young people who grew up in housing co-ops and who feel the same way about them that I do. But I'm so happy to be able to share that message with the world. And I'm hopeful that I inspired some other young members to get involved and to share their stories with the world about what it was like for them growing up in housing co-ops. And hopefully I inspire more people to move into housing co-ops and develop housing co-ops. I can't wait to see the, the world that would come about if you know everyone was able to live in a housing co-op. So thank you so much, Julie. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Co-op Conversations. We hope that it provided a better understanding of what life is like in a housing co-op. If you're interested in finding out more, you can visit us at housinginternational.coop. We feature many stories and resources on our website with useful tools, studies, and articles on topics ranging from governance to finance to sustainability and so on. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, where we like to share stories and good practices of co-op housing around the world. If you want to find a housing co-op in your region, I suggest that you do an online search for co-op housing along with the name of your city and hopefully something will come up. I would like to thank all of our guests for sharing their stories with us. I would also like to thank our sound technician, Todd LeBlanc, who also lives in a housing co-op in Vancouver, Canada. Thanks for listening.